0: The Seagull Project presents God Sees the Truth But Waits, by Leo Tolstoy, as read by Charles Leggett. You can find more stories from the Great Souls podcast wherever you found this. In the town of Vladimir lived a young merchant named Ivan Dmitrich Noskyanov. He had two shops and a house of his own. Askyanov was a handsome, fair-haired, curly-headed fellow, full of fun, and very fond of singing. When quite a young man, he had been given to drink, and was riotous when he had had too much. But after he married, he gave up drinking. Except now and then. One summer, Askyanov was going to the Nizhny fair, and as he bade goodbye to his family, his wife said to him, Ivan Dmitritch, do not start today. I have had a bad dream about you. Askyanov laughed and said, You are afraid that when I get to the fair I shall go on a spree? His wife replied, I do not know what I am afraid of. All I know is that I had a bad dream. I dreamed you returned from the town, and when you took off your cap, I saw that your hair was quite gray. Askianov laughed. That's a lucky sign, said he. See if I don't sell out all my goods and bring you some presents from the fair. So he said goodbye to his family and drove away. When he had traveled halfway, he met a merchant whom he knew, and they put up at the same inn for the night. They had some tea together and then went to bed in adjoining rooms it was not Askianov's habit to sleep late, and wishing to travel while it was still cool, he aroused his driver before dawn and told him to put in the horses. Then he made his way across to the landlord of the inn, who lived in a cottage at the back, paid his bill, and continued his journey. When he had gone about twenty-five miles, he stopped for the horses to be fed. Askianov rested a while in the passage of the inn, Then he stepped out into the porch and, ordering a samovar to be heated, got out his guitar and began to play. Suddenly a troika drove up with tinkling bells, and an official alighted, followed by two soldiers. He came to Askyanov and began to question him, asking him who he was and whence he came. Askyanov answered him fully and said, Won't you have some tea with me? But the official went on cross-questioning him and asking him, Where did you spend last night? Were you alone or with a fellow merchant? Did you see the other merchant this morning? Why did you leave the inn before dawn? Askyanov wondered why he was asked all these questions, but he described all that had happened and then added, Why do you cross question me as if I were a thief or a robber. (laughs) I am traveling on business of my own, and there is no need to question me. Then the official, calling the soldiers, said, I am the police officer of this district, and I question you because the merchant with whom you spent last night has been found with his throat cut. We must search your things. They entered the house. The soldiers and the police officer unstrapped Askyanov's luggage and searched it. Suddenly the officer drew a knife out of a bag, crying, "'Whose knife is this?' Oskionov looked, and seeing a blood-stained knife taken from his bag, he was frightened. "'How is it there is blood on this knife?' Askyanov tried to answer, but could hardly utter a word, and only stammered, "'I don't know. Not mine!' Then the police officer said, This morning the merchant was found in bed with his throat cut. You are the only person who could have done it. The house was locked from inside and no one else was there. Here's this blood-stained knife in your bag. And your face and manner betray you. Tell me how you killed him and how much money you stole. Askyanov swore he had not done it, that he had not seen the merchant after they had had tea together, that he had no money except eight thousand rubles of his own, and that the knife was not his, but his voice was broken, his face pale, and he trembled with fear as though he were guilty. The police officer ordered the soldiers to bind Askyanov and to put him in the cart. As they tied his feet together and flung him into the cart, Askyanov crossed himself and wept. His money and goods were taken from him, and he was sent to the nearest town and imprisoned there. Inquiries as to his character were made in Vladimir. The merchants and other inhabitants of that town said that in former days he used to drink and waste his time, but that he was a good man. Then the trial came on. He was charged with murdering a merchant from Riazan, and robbing him of 20,000 roubles. His wife was in despair and did not know what to believe. Her children were all quite small. One was a baby at her breast. Taking them all with her, she went to the town where her husband was in jail. At first she was not allowed to see him, but after much begging, She obtained permission from the officials and was taken to him. When she saw her husband in prison dress and in chains, shut up with thieves and criminals, she fell down and did not come to her senses for a long time. Then she drew her children to her and sat down near him. She told him of things at home, and asked about what had happened to him. He told her all, and she asked, What can we do now? We must petition the Tsar not to let an innocent man perish. His wife told him that she had sent a petition to the Tsar, but it had not been accepted. Askyanov did not reply, but only looked downcast, Then his wife said, It was not for nothing I dreamed your hair had turned grey. You remember, you should not have started that day. And passing her fingers through his hair, she said, Vanya, dearest, tell your wife the truth. Was it not you who did it? So you too suspect me, said Askionov, and hiding his face in his hands, he began to weep. Then a soldier came to say that the wife and children must go away, and Askyanov said goodbye to his family for the last time. When they were gone, Askyanov recalled what had been said, and when he remembered that his wife also had suspected him, he said to himself, It seems that only God can know the truth. It is to him alone we must appeal, and from him alone expect mercy. And Askyanov wrote no more petitions, gave up all hope, and only prayed to God. Askyanov was condemned to be flogged and sent to the mines. So he was flogged with a knout And when the wounds made by the knout were healed he was driven to siberia with other convicts for 26 years oskyanov lived as a convict in siberia his hair turned white as snow and his beard grew long thin and gray all his mirth went he stooped he walked slowly spoke little and never laughed but He often prayed. In prison, Oskijanov learned to make boots and earned a little money, with which he bought Lives of the Saints. He read this book when there was light enough in the prison, and on Sundays in the prison church he read the lessons and sang in the choir, for his voice was still good. The prison authorities liked Askianov for his meekness, and his fellow prisoners respected him. They called him Grandfather and the Saint. When they wanted to petition the prison authorities about anything, they always made Askyanov their spokesman, and when there were quarrels among the prisoners, they came to him to put things right and to judge the matter. No news reached Askyanov from his home, and he did not even know if his wife and children were still alive. One day, a fresh gang of convicts came to the prison. In the evening, the old prisoners collected round the new ones and asked them what towns or villages they came from and what they were sentenced for. Among the rest, Askyanov sat down near the newcomers and listened with downcast air to what was said. One of the new convicts, a tall, strong man of sixty with a closely cropped gray beard, was telling the others what he had been arrested for. "'Well, friends,' he said, "'I only took a horse that was tied to a sledge, and I was arrested and accused of stealing.' I said I had only taken it to get home quicker and had then let it go. Besides, the driver was a personal friend of mine, so I said it's all right. No, said they, you stole it. But how or where I stole it, they could not say. I once really did something wrong and ought by rights to have come here long ago, but that time I was not found out. Now I have been sent here for nothing at all. Ah. But it's lies, I'm telling you. I've been to Siberia before, but I did not stay long. "'Where are you from?' asked someone. "'From Vladimir. My family are of that town. My name is Makar, and they also call me Semyonich.' Askyonov raised his head and said, "'Tell me, Semyonich.' Do you know anything of the merchants Ascyonov of Vladimir? Are they still alive? Know them? Of course I do. The Ascyonovs are rich, though their father is in Siberia, a sinner like ourselves, it seems. As for you, granddad, how did you come here? Ascyonov did not like to speak of his misfortune. He only sighed and said... For my sins. I have been in prison these twenty six years. What sins? asked Makar Semyonitch. But Askionov only said, Well, well, I must have deserved it. He would have said no more, but his companions told the newcomers how Askionov had come to be in Siberia, how someone had killed a merchant and had put the knife among Askionov's things and Oskionov had been unjustly condemned. When Makar Semyonich heard this, he looked at Oskionov, slapped his own knee, and exclaimed, Well, this is wonderful, really wonderful! But how old you've grown, Grandad! The others asked him why he was so surprised, and where he had seen Oskionov before, but Makar Semyonich did not reply. He only said, It's wonderful that we should meet here, lads. These words made Oskionov wonder whether this man knew who had killed the merchant. So he said, Perhaps, Semyonich, you have heard of that affair, or maybe you've seen me before? How could I help hearing? The world's full of rumors. But it's a long time ago, and I've forgotten what I heard. Perhaps you heard who killed the merchant? asked Oskionov. Makar Semyonich laughed and replied, "'It must have been him in whose bag the knife was found. "'If someone else hid the knife there, "'he's not a thief till he's caught, as the saying is. "'How could anyone put a knife into your bag "'while it was under your head? "'It would surely have woke you up!' "'When Askyanov heard these words, "'he felt sure this was the man who had killed the merchant.' He rose and went away. All that night Askionov lay awake. He felt terribly unhappy. And all sorts of images rose in his mind. There was the image of his wife, as she was when he parted from her to go to the fair. He saw her as if she were present. Her face and her eyes rose before him. He heard her speak. And laugh. Then he saw his children, quite little as they were at that time, one with a little cloak on, another at his mother's breast. And then he remembered himself as he used to be, young and merry. He remembered how he sat playing the guitar in the porch of the inn where he was arrested, and how free from care he had been. He saw in his mind the place where he was flogged, The executioner, and the people standing around, the chains, the convicts, all the twenty-six years of his prison life and his premature old age, the thought of it all made him so wretched that he was ready to kill himself. And it's all that villain's doing, thought Ostkianov. And his anger was so great against Makar Semyonich that he longed for vengeance, even if he himself should perish for it. He kept repeating prayers all night, but could get no peace. During the day, he did not go near Makar Semyonich, nor even look at him. A fortnight passed in this way. Oskionov could not sleep at night, and was so miserable that he did not know what to do. One night, as he was walking about the prison, he noticed some earth that came rolling out from under one of the shelves on which the prisoners slept. He stopped to see what it was. Suddenly Makar Semyonich crept out from under the shelf and looked up at Askionov with frightened face. Askionov tried to pass without looking at him, but Makar seized his hand and told him that he had dug a hole under the wall, getting rid of the earth, by putting it into his high boots and emptying it out every day on the road when the prisoners were driven to their work. Just you keep quiet, old man, and you shall get out too. If you blab, they'll flog the life out of me, but I will kill you first. Askionov trembled with anger as he looked at his enemy. He drew his hand away, saying, I have no wish to escape. "'and you have no need to kill me. "'You killed me long ago. "'As to telling of you, "'I may do so or not, "'as God shall direct.'" Next day, when the convicts were led out to work, the convoy soldiers noticed that one or other of the prisoners emptied some earth out of his boots. The prison was searched and the tunnel found. The governor came and questioned all the prisoners to find out who had dug the hole. They all denied any knowledge of it. Those who knew would not betray Makar Semyonich, knowing he would be flogged almost to death. At last the governor turned to Askyonov, whom he knew to be a just man, and said, "'You are a truthful old man. Tell me before God.' Who dug the hole? Makar Semyonitch stood as if he were quite unconcerned, looking at the governor and not so much as glancing at Osganov. Osganov's lips and hands trembled, and for a long time he could not utter a word. He thought, Why should I screen him who ruined my life? Let him pay for what I have suffered. But if I tell. "'They will probably flog the life out of him, and maybe I suspect him wrongly. "'And after all, what good would it be to me?' "'Well, old man,' repeated the governor, "'tell me the truth. "'Who has been digging under the wall?' "'Askionov glanced at Makar Semyonich and said, "'I cannot say, your honor. "'It is not God's will that I should tell. "'Do what you like with me. "'I am in your hands.' However much the governor tried, Askyonov would say no more, and so the matter had to be left. That night, when Askyonov was lying on his bed and just beginning to doze, someone came quietly and sat down on his bed. He peered through the darkness and recognized Makar. What more do you want of me? asked Askyonov. Why have you come here? Makar Semyonich was silent, so Askyonov sat up and said, What do you want? Go away, or I will call the guard. Makar Semyonich bent close over Askyonov and whispered, Ivan Dmitritch, forgive me. What for? asked Askyonov. It was I who killed the merchant and hid the knife among your things. I meant to kill you, too, but I heard a noise outside, so I hid the knife in your bag and escaped out of the window. Askionov was silent and did not know what to say. Makar Semyonich slid off the bedshelf and knelt upon the ground. Ivan Dmitritch, said he, forgive me, for the love of God, forgive me. I will confess that it was I who killed the merchant, and you will be released and can go to your home. It is easy for you to talk, said Askionov. but I have suffered for you these twenty-six years. Where could I go to now? My wife is dead, and my children have forgotten me. I have nowhere to go. Makar Semyonich did not rise, but beat his head on the floor. Ivan Dmitritch, forgive me, he cried. When they flogged me with the knout, it was not so hard to bear as it is to see you now. Yet you had pity on me and did not tell. For Christ's sake, forgive me, wretch that I am. And he began to sob. When Askionov heard him sobbing, he too began to weep. God will forgive you, said he. Maybe I am a hundred times worse than you. And at these words his heart grew light, and the longing for home left him. He no longer had any desire to leave the prison, but only hoped for his last hour to come. In spite of what Askyonov had said, Makar Semyonich confessed his guilt. But when the order for his release came, Askyonov was already dead.